0: This is inside
1: purple and gold. All right, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Damian Zutani. If you're listening, and you've gotten to this point, you know that's Tom Shire on the other end, not Dave Frederick. Uh, please like, subscribe, download, whatever it takes on any podcast platform, just to make sure that this episode and all our future episodes are going right to your phone. Um, really enjoying talking about this season. They've given us a heck of a lot to talk about. Um, not sure this team's good but I'm not sure they're not um we'll get more into this in a little bit i just think we're in minute like 27 of this podcast and we haven't mentioned justin jefferson once yet which is a yep. little bit surprising he's always the guy we're talking about he got 12 for 154 today eventually he's going to break that sammy white record um, mm-hmm. 10 it looked like he was on pace to do that single single game receiving record it is sammy white's at 210 Justin Jefferson will break that one day. It looked like yeah. he was going to today. Um, Bears kind of figured out that like maybe we should not just single up him on the outside. Not yeah. give him three releases. Um, another spectacular game for him though. Um, just there's not enough superlatives in the world to like, talk about how good of a player. Mm-hmm. He
0: is. Yeah, I mean, start here. Like he got robbed of a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess he has to get across the plane, but it's it. It was like it's so weird to go through the whole routine in the gritty, and then he like the ref's like, hold on a second, (laughs) you know, and, and, um, but yeah, I mean, even, even the play, like on the, on the two point conversion, like this is, I think Cousins talked about this earlier, but like he has this second effort, right? As much as he like just blows away defenses and he's hyper fast and gets wide open, he also like will just plow through defenders as a guy who's like pretty lanky and not, you know, this isn't like a fullback or whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, everything about him is impressive. I think I'd go as far as we talked, you know, about Cousins in that first segment and looking at his stats and whatnot. To me, it's like, I actually kind of don't care what Cousins – like it doesn't need to be spectacular on Hader's end as long as it's spectacular on Justin Jefferson's, right? Because we know ultimately Justin Jefferson doesn't start with the ball, or at least usually doesn't. And in this case, they did what they needed to do early. Defenses will adjust. You talk about like getting the 210 yards, he's going to have to put two tackles together. But this um, situation, again, so long as kind of Cousins holds up his end, um, because of the weapon the other weapons, right? I mean, actually like Earl Smith had a pretty good game in this one. KJ Osborne um, in some key moments came over with the receptions. Obviously we know how good Thielen can be. Um, Delvin Cook had a pretty good game on the ground. So um, as much as we go, yeah, defense is like, I'm sure people looked at the Packers tape and were like, wait why didn't they focus on Justin Jefferson more And they'll look at the tape from this game and go, what was Chicago thinking in the first half or whatever. But to be fair, if you focus on him too much, there's other ways to beat you. But this is why I'm convinced he can continue to be great. It's not just him and his ability to get open and, and how athletically superior he is to a lot of the players he plays against. But, like, I can put him in a situation to succeed. Again, as long as Cousins does his job, as long as the illusion complexity works, um, and as long as, like, there's health around him, obviously his own health, but also Osborne's good all season, Beone's good all season, you know, Irv Smith, on am So, um, yeah, I think we're starting to see a glimpse, like he's obviously great right now, but of, of just this next level that if they start putting things together, it's not only could they win and win by a margin, but Justin Jefferson can do things we haven't seen before since kind of like the Randy Moss days.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to go. Like you mentioned Randy Moss. He was the best receiver in the league. Yeah. Right. No question. Uh, Justin Jefferson said at the beginning of this season he wants to be the best receiver in the league. Then he went out and hung like 180 on on Green Bay, and you're like, wow, he might go for 2,000 this year. And then week two, week three, he kind of gets shut down. Now we've seen week week four, week five, he's kind of risen back to the top. Where does he rank in the pantheon of receivers to you? Can he be the best? Is he the best? Um, I don't know if we can quite make that claim yet, but like – how high is too high and, and how high can he go?
0: I mean, it's so hard for me because obviously it's between him and Moss. And I think it's fun that he doesn't like shy away from that, right? He's worn Randy Moss shirts. The only positive to come out of that Monday Night Football game in Chicago because that was that game could turn people off from football like as an entity. It was so bad. But seeing him in the jersey, right, and Randy Moss, who's calling the game, it, it tells him he's going to the Pro Bowl or whatever. I like that Justin Jefferson hasn't shied away from, I guess, a challenge, if you want to call it that. Um, with Randy Moss, I don't know if anyone, like, Randy Moss is just such, like, a unique athlete, period, right? He's a super freak. Having said that, like, why I think Justin Jefferson could be more successful is because it seems like the organization is less dysfunctional. Like, we talk about all these, like, infamous dysfunction, right? It unfortunately happened when they had this transcendent receiver who should have lifted the team to new heights, and instead kind of they got stuck in the mud, and he had the weird Oakland years, and then obviously goes on to – be a great player with new England. So um, I think it does seem like you have a Connell who's the McVay guy, at least in the immediate term, you have cousins who is more competent than a lot of the quarterbacks that Randy Moss played with. Um, you have these other receivers Cause we know that like Moss benefited from Chris Carter and Jake Reed. Right. Um, and, and, you, you know, similarly, Justin Jefferson has um, uh talent around him and then the league is just so enabling to a player like that. Like they, the league does not want like these games we've seen on Thursday night or whatever, or like going back to that Monday night gaming in Chicago, they know that'll turn people off. They want to see, you know, te- games won in the thirties probably. And so Justin Jefferson has all these advantages that I think Moss didn't. And so even if he's not the superior athlete, he may end up having superior stats and we re- may remember him as a challenger, if not a better receiver, because he's a lot
1: surpassing because of the environment he's in. Yeah, that's a fair point. You know, I think you kind of touched on in the beginning, though, like, no one will be Randy Moss. Like, yeah. he's been so much more. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, he's pretty untouchable just because of, you know, the physical specimen that he was. You mentioned all the dysfunction. Wasn't always great quarterback play around him, and he, and he, he succeeded in spite of that. Um, but, like you said, this, this is a – past happy league now conducive to receivers putting up gaudier stats. So Justin Jefferson's ahead of Randy Moss now, I guess, on the <laughs> line, which yeah. is crazy, um, but a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time to go and, you know, a lot of more production that he needs to have um, to be kind of considered in that, in that conversation. Let's get back to the game. A um, couple more superheroes and we'll jump into kind of the, the, you know, remainder of the schedule. We're past the quarter pole, which is kind of great mm-hmm. already. Um, we'd kind of be remiss if we didn't mention Dalvin Cook, 18 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Actually had two catches for 27 yards. One of those was a pass from Justin Jefferson. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, Justin just Jefferson said after the game, wish Dalvin would have gotten the end zone so he could have a passing touchdown. Um, he didn't. Um, but Dalvin Cook was also very, very good today. Um, yeah. As good of a game as he's played.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he maybe gets lost in the shuffle because he's not a receiving player, or at least he's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I think the interesting thing is how he was managed in this game. Like he, he's had these shoulder issues, and I kind of wondered what would happen um, coming off potentially a scare, or just also a game where, like, at some point there was kind of this comeback, and it, you know, it didn't feel like um, had they gone up bigger, right, and had a more larger margin of victory, they may have leaned on Dalvin Cook more, right, to just run out the clock. So mm-hmm. the, the fact that he's just – he's been involved in a modern offense um, that they're not afraid to go to Alexander Madison. He, he just feels like he's used so much differently. Like Zimmer just trusted him because he wanted to manage the clock and he liked to run the ball and, and probably benefited his defense. You know, like I think – I like how he's been used as a modern player. He's spread out wide, but they're not pretending he's a receiver he, they're involving him in trick plays, which I think I, those guys get really excited about it. You know what I mean? Like, as much as we saw a check down on a flea picker, which, holy crap, how does that happen? <laughs> like, you know, you saw Justin Jefferson throw him the ball, right? And I think um, they've just managed a really skilled running back in a modern offense really well. And it shows up in his numbers that he's still an impact player. He, he nearly had 100 yards just rushing uh, in this play, in this game.
1: Yeah, and you, like you said, like in the modern-day NFL, like you see running back fall off a cliff because of the overusage. So to see Alexander Madison mix in as much as he did today, I think that bodes well for Dalvin Cook moving forward. Um, all right, let's close the show with this. Tom, um, I am going to list every game on the schedule. You tell me win or loss, and you will be the determining factor. You will be the person – when we get to the end of this exercise to determine how good the Vikings will be. They are four and one right now. They the Dolphins next week, probably with Teddy. Definitely. I think without Tua, I don't think I, I don't see that guy playing anytime soon, um, especially with the criticism they've received out of that Vikings at Dolphins next week, win or loss. This is probably the toughest one to call of at least
0: the immediate ones here. Um, I think they win because they should beat a backup quarterback. I think people love Teddy Bridgewater here. I think they love the story of him going home. Um, it feels like a team like the Dolphins that mismanaged the tour situation so bad is using their backup quarterback, even though that's a game on the road. I do think the Vikings can, can sneak that one out.
1: Okay. So you heard it here first, five and 5-1 starting next week. After that, you, you play the, Car- the Vikings host the Cardinals, win or loss.
0: I think they win. I'd insist this is a pretty easy spot in their schedule that's coming off a bye. I'm not a huge believer in Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Kyler Murray. Um, I understand why people would see that as a tough game, but that is a game um, here. It's a game they should have won last year. The other thing is you could pretty much use that game as a blueprint um, for this year because that was the rare situation where they actually looked like a modern team last year, and that's unfortunately they lost because then they went back to being a 90s team. But I think this team should beat them
1: probably using a pretty similar blueprint as last year. All right. It's Looking up six and one. You heard it here first. Uh, then they, then the Vikings go to Washington, play the commanders. Do I hear seven and one?
0: I do. And, and again, like I said, if you um, they're going to play with fire, if they keep playing like they did against Chicago. However, if they improve and they start creating margins, like you should look at these next three games and look at wins. I, you know, <laughs> Carson Wentz and like just the dysfunction that is the commanders. In my mind, that's borderline like trap game, and I understand it's on the road, but they should go there to their weird field with the real weird gra- grass and and
1: beat up on the commanders. No, you're right. Like it's important to note as we do this exercise, like nothing. the NFL, but it's hard to account for those. So all, all all Tom can do is think about the optimum performance from both teams and who is better. All right, yeah. so they're seven and one. They they. They go to the Buffalo Bills on, on November thirteenth. I'm gonna go ahead and answer for you. That's a loss. They they yeah. they, they dropped the seven.
0: Yeah, and I, but I do think it's important you go into that seven and one. You know, I th- I think it's it's you allow yourself to then lose in Buffalo. I right? we having the score today it was insane. They beat the Steelers. It's probably gonna be a tough loss for people to see, given it's Stefan Diggs and whatnot. But um, you can afford to lose that one if you take care of the games you're supposed to win. Sure,
1: I do think. And then you just get, you know, if they went to the floor with you, you can't really feel be feeling that good about where you're at despite being seven and two. Um, the Cowboys, they host the Cowboys four days before Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. I mean, I see oh that as, I see that as a loss. I'm assuming that's Dak Prescott's back. Um, I, it's more winnable, I guess, than the Buffalo game, but if Cooper Rush beat you last year. And given that like they're they're an explosive team, I think that's gonna be really tough, especially coming off what what I assume will be an emotional loss to Buffalo. we
1: we're at seven and three right now. What do they do with that one? It's here.
0: Yeah, I mean sounds weird it it almost doesn't seem right coming out of mouth you should win it right I mean I I don't think New England's that good now um I think this is an early coaching test every game is but what I worry a little bit is like you saw how much McVeigh loved Belichick in the Super Bowl right and it's almost like he kind of admired him and didn't push him and you gotta imagine O'Connell thinks highly of him right and that's a game like don't get out coached (laughs) and that's really tough because of Um, who the guy is on the other side. But I think if O'Connell coaches like it's just a random guy coaching New England, they should win that game. I don't think the Patriots are that good.
1: I don't think they're that good either. Um, I actually don't know that I trust whoever plays quarterback for them, um, whether Mm -hmm. it is Mac Jones or Zappi. So I think I'm on the same page as you there. After the Patriots on Thanksgiving, you have a longer week. And then, you, then you come back and you host the Jets. Jets are plucky this year, but that should be a win too, right? Yeah,
0: you can't lose that
1: game. Yeah, they have to win that game. All right. Then you go to Ford Field. I think right now we have them at okay, five, six, seven, seven, three, eight, nine, and three. Nine and three heading into Detroit. Um, Do they win that game? I mean, they should. I know they lost it
0: last year. I know it was there. I remember all people was Cameron Dantzler with a mistake there, but um, that I think was a Zimmer era tension loss, right? It was Mm -hmm. was don't make a mistake and that allows Jared Goff to beat you. Um, I think Detroit's improved. Um, I think their trajectory is really interesting. Having said that, I don't think we can look at what happened last year and let it determine what we think this year because this is like a culture change regime change like this is how you pick up wins against them having said that if you only lead that game for 45 seconds probably lose it so
1: they better be improved by that yeah. all right we'll uh, we'll wrap quick with the last month of the season um just rapid fire colts vikings host colts yeah they should win it <laughs> vikings host giants I would
0: have said it was for sure. I think this is one where we'll learn where both teams are. I think the Giants will regress. I think the Vikings have to progress to being better than the Giants. So I do think that's a win. Right At Green Bay. Lost. Different kind of loss. I mean, it's not. Sean Manning cannot start that game. So like literally. So um, I don't think it'll be the disaster it was before. I also think, and I think most people get this, this is not going to be the same Green Bay team they played in the beginning of the season. So yeah, I definitely see Green Bay picking up and there there you have to be in position where uh that game can't decide the division, basically.
1: And then if you close out Chicago,
0: you should win that game. You win that game and don't make it like the Chicago game from last year because no like I can't physically watch it. And I'm not actually exaggerating. It can't be like that Monday night game. So yeah, finish on a high note, go blast Chicago in Chicago, go into the playoffs with a little momentum.
1: All right. Anyone who's made it to this part of the podcast, um, we have the Vikings at thirteen and four so
0: have cut. here's the thing like you know and and it's because of games like this you know that we were talking about games they should win right right they'll drop they'll drop three they should if they yeah. play like this so that's how you get into that kind of you know that's how that number um you know goes back to the nine and seven range so um to get it's not gonna be 13 but to get close to do 11 12 they have to win by margins if they yeah. keep winning this way they're gonna be like you know, yeah, ten and seven, something
1: like that. I think all this exercise was done to prove is just how soft the schedule is. It's um, incredibly, yeah. This, this should be an 11 team. Yeah, like the, the, the schedule it, it sets up. Even the hard game against da- that the Miami Dolphins next week is is presumably a heck of a lot easier now with the backup quarterback, you know, steering the ship for the Dolphins. So it, the schedule sets up really nice. The, the Vikings are four and one right now. They did just pop us off a 29-22 victory. doesn't look great. Um, but as we talked about, doesn't really matter. Um, they are 4-1 heading into week six here. Uh, Tom, any parting thoughts uh, just on the team as a whole? Thanks I again. Did, I, for
0: I did not, I'm not claiming they're a 13-win team. I just, I just want to be clear on that. Um, having said that, I think what we've learned here is this team we currently saw, it's a 10-win team. The difference between that and being a team that you can be excited about in the 11-12 win is that get that margin up. I know know we focused on the defense a little bit. You got to start beating bad teams by higher margins that allow you to lose to (laughs) good teams, I guess, essentially, and not have it be a season wrecker and allow you to go into the playoffs with potentially 11-12 points. All right.
1: Well, I'm with you. It's not a 13-win team, but if they do finish that way, you heard it first on October 9th after a clunky (laughs) victory over the Bears um thanks so much for joining us if you guys enjoyed this please like subscribe download um whatever you got to uh you know your your phone or whatever you listen to your podcast we come out every you know every week do pre pre pre-game you know post-game and then and then one episode midweek so we're here for it all thanks again tom for joining us Uh, for dane mizutani tom shire this has been inside purple and gold we're out